Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyer Labs, and today we have a really interesting guest with us, Shivani Saroya. And Shivani is the CEO and founder of Tala. Tala is a company changing how credit loans are doled out in emerging markets like East Africa. To do this, using data from cell phones to better understand our customers, and Tala can disperse loans within minutes, which is quite fascinating. And they were re- recently recognized by Fast Company as the number one most innovative company, and in money in 2015 and the number eight most innovative company in finance in uh, 2016. So I invited Shivani on the show to hear, just hear more about her background and about Tala. Um, and it seems like what they're working on is the future of credit and lending. So it's something we should all hear about and learn about. So Shivani, thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Definitely. And uh, so, you know, first off, let's uh, you have an interesting background. Could you, uh, just give us a little overview on how you got to where you are now. Sure. Um, so in terms of uh, my background and how I got here, uh, my background is a mix of investment banking um, and then also working for the UN Population Fund. Um, so started out in banking and was doing pretty traditional equity research and um, realized that I wanted to do more Um and kind of work on something that was more impactful and meaningful, um, found out about microfinance um, and had the opportunity to uh, work with, you know, a a small microfinance institution and realized that, you know, while I really saw the benefits of microcredit, I really felt like, you know, the micro borrowers that were in that system weren't necessarily moving out of the informal financial services market into the formal financial system. So into a system where the rest of us are, where they have really choice and control over the financial products that they have access to. Um, So I got very interested in trying to understand why these problems existed, Um, went to go study health economics and econometrics. Um, And from there, I ended up uh, actually working at the UN Population Fund and, you know, studying the, the effect of microcredit on people's quality of life um, and other development programs and whether these development programs or microcredit programs were actually improving that quality of life for these individuals. Huh. So if we could really understand where this capital went in the system, we could then understand, you know, who to give, you know, more additional capital to and how to customize these products um, to better suit their needs. Um, and as I did that research, I ended up actually interviewing about 4,500 people. Wow. Um, and I realized that, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> crazy. But what I realized was that was really the issue is that, one, this data really wasn't digitized. Um, so a lot of that information is obviously in cash and it's in paper records. And so I wanted to find a way to bring this data into, you know, real life um, and create really the, the foundation for financial systems and, and these credit scores. And then the second thing was I wanted to find a way to use that information to then be able to create customized products um, for these individuals. And so that's kind of, that's, that's how Tala started. Interesting. And so where did you do that research? You know, what countries and how long did it take you? And did you do personally all 40, all those 4,500 interviews? Yes, I mean it was almost like being a walking QuickBooks. Um, so <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean it was across nine different markets. 
um, it was across West Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, and South Asia. Um, and it, it took, you know, I was there for about two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. At that point, you were probably the most educated person on microfinance in the world, or one of the most, <laughs> by the end of that. <laughs> wow. Okay. And so, um, and so then how, how do you go from that to actually starting Tala? So you had some amazing research. And you understood maybe who should be giving who who should be um you be giving these uh, loans to, but then how did you take the next step and start actually start the company and build out some technology and um yeah how did that go? Yeah, um, I mean I think it was a little bit uh, it was three steps. I think the first piece is you know started collecting the information by hand. Right. Um, and then from there, it was realizing, hey, you know, all of these customers do have, you know, uh, cell phones in their hands, mobile phones in their hands. You know, can we use basic technology? So uh, text messaging and interactive voice technology in order to collect this information. Um, so collecting both revenue and expense data and demographic information from our customers. Um, and then the next step, which is really what the product is now, is realizing that smartphones were starting to become more and more prevalent in these markets. Um, you know, I think right now there's about 1.8 billion smartphones in emerging markets. Um, and so, it, I mean, it's growing very, very rapidly. Um, and so what I started realizing is that all of this information, the revenue data, the expense data, financial transactions, how much people are paying on bills, where they go throughout the day, and kind of the behavioral information or the credit kind of the likelihood of whether someone would be willing to pay back a loan, a lot of that data was sitting on the operating system of these phones, um, and it was already digitized. And so what we developed at Tala was a software that's embedded within an Android app that allows a customer to then give us access, once they download our app, to give us access to that key, those key metrics and information that's sitting on the device. And so then we can seamlessly bring that in. We bring in about 10,000 different data points per customer, um, and then we're able to score them in about 20 seconds. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And can, can you give us uh, some examples of, if it's not confidential, at least some of the examples of d- the data points that you bring in and analyze? Sure. Um, I mean, I think a lot of what we're looking for is capacity information. So financial transaction data is very important to us because it allows us to understand what what can this individual actually afford and what are they looking to do with the capital, right? Um, and so we see how much they pay on their electricity bills, their rent, their water. Um, we see how much goes to school fees, how much comes in and out of their bank accounts or their savings balance. Um, so that's, that's one key metric for us. Um, Another thing is we're looking at consistency. So we want to see, um, are the bills that they're paying on time? Are they delayed? Are they paying about the same amount for their cell phone bill every single month? And it gives us a really good proxy to understand what their actual income is. Um, the last thing is then more the behavioral stuff. And so we want to understand, what is this person's support system? You know, Do they have a strong social network? Do they have a distributed social network? We want to understand you know, what kind of employment do they have? Is that consistent? Do they go to work every day? Do they move around to the same places and make the same phone calls? 
things like that. And so that's very much saying, okay, we know you have the capacity because you make a certain amount of money, but then we want to understand what kind of character do you have? Um, and are you someone that is not going to be fraudulent? And can we verify that identity? And you can get all that from somebody's phone. Because um, like, I, I can understand like the social and like location, but like, I don't think my water bill you'd get from my phone. I know it's different in other countries, and then that's why you're targeting certain countries. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so can you get all that from the phone? Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Wow. So they're that way. They're much much far ahead of, than uh, here in the states. Interesting. Um, all right. So you had. Uh, so did you start raising money right out of the gate? So because you had this great research and you had you could figure out how this uh, research on paper could be translated into kind of creating, you know, models of ideal uh, um, people to lend to, uh, you, you know, mm-hmm. translating over the phone. So how, how what did you kind of your initial prototype look like? And uh, how is that compared to today? Yeah, so as I was mentioning, a lot of this data we initially collected um, just using that basic technology of text messaging and um, you know, the interactive voice. And so we actually had customers self-report in this information. Um, and then as we started to learn about what kind of Android technology was out there, um, we then shifted from doing the self-reported to actually collecting it um, directly off of the device. Interesting. Okay. Gotcha. And uh, in what countries are you operating in now? Um, we're currently working in East Africa and now in Southeast Asia. And so our main market in East Africa is Kenya. Okay. And then we're also in the Philippines. Gotcha. And and uh, and why do you start in Kenya? Um, it's just, it's a wonderful market in that, you know, you see, uh, it's kind of this perfect convergence of technology and kind of the financial services system. And so uh, in a population of 44 million people, you have about 27 million people that have a mobile money account. Mm. Um, so that allowed us to really, you know, kind of seamlessly be able to automate our uh, disbursements and collections within the within the payment system. Um, so we didn't have to rely on any other third parties or bank accounts. Um, then the other issue, the other thing is that, you know, in terms of uh, prevalence of kind of just microcredit and people understanding financial services, uh, the Kenyan market is very sophisticated. Um, so you already have a lot of products like mobile savings accounts. You have group savings accounts. And a lot of this is already happening on the phone. Um, you do have a very high prevalence of Android technology. You have an English-speaking uh, population. Um, and so just all of these things together really made it a great market for us to pilot in. Hmm. That makes sense. And so what you do uh, over in Kenya, I mean, you could even do that in the United States because of our lack of the money transactions on the phone. Do you think it would even be possible? It, yeah, it does make it difficult. Um, but now with things like Venmo and Apple Pay, um, you know, I think the U.S. is starting to catch up. I think the, the difference here is actually the kind of data that's on our devices. Um, a lot of the receipts that I'm talking about um, don't exist on our phones here, but they do exist in emerging markets. That makes sense. Okay. Um, and then, so how do you, how does it work uh, updating kind of your scoring model? So I assume you kind of have some type of a score that you might, you give uh, each potential uh, person you'd lend to. 
And then, you know, over time, either those people pay pay back or they don't. Um, and then do you feed that back into the the model um, to continually improve it? Yep, exactly. Um, so, you know, you initially start out by doing blind lending in order to really get the outcome data. Um, and so you do want to actually see uh, people repay as well as default because um, that's how you start to build those correlations. Um, but then, yeah, as, as we've gone on and we've now built, uh, you know, more than four different scoring models. Um, and so it allows us just over time to continue refining that. So I'm, so I'm curious, is, is there... Is there kind of a, a good story of how if if somebody has X, there's no way we'll lend to them because they always default? Have you ever have you found something like that? That's kind of like a by you know that you didn't expect. No, I mean it's not. Um, there's no hard and fast rules yeah, to it, yeah. right? So, I mean, in that sense, it's like every feature has to be. I mean, there's no one feature that's going to determine it. Um, I mean, I think the best thing I can say is. You know, when we can't um, verify someone's identity, um, that's probably the only instance when it's going to be difficult to lend to someone, right? Gotcha. Because um, then we're going to have to think about exception flows. Um, but, I mean, I can give you definitely some fun ones. Um, <laughs> so one of the ones that I think is always really interesting is, you know, the way someone organizes their contact book um, or their, you know, within their phone, their phone book. Um, and we found that customers that have, more of their phone numbers um, listed as, you know, first and last name. So in this case, my name would be Shivani Soroya. Um, if more of my contacts, more than 40% of them, are listed with two words as opposed to one, um, I am actually more likely to be a good borrower. Huh. That's so fascinating. <laughs> I, and, and I think that what's really interesting about that one is that alone is not the feature that we use, right? So we really like to think about the data as, as the stories and the context of the data in terms of someone's daily life. And so we'll take a feature like that and we'll interact it with other variables that we know about them. So it could relate to the kind of phone that they have. And so if they actually have a low-end device, even if it's a smartphone, it may be very cumbersome for someone to actually input first and last names. Um, you know, they may not be a native English speaker, and so actually typing all of that out is going to be difficult for them. Um, it may depend on their, you know, kind of business that they run. You know, if they're running their own business, we're more likely to hopefully see that, you know, they're very organized and that they have many contracts. Um, but I, I think it's always, I think that's the, the most interesting part about our work is that it's not just data points for us. But it is really the daily life of these customers, yeah. and that and that's how we actually customize the product to them. Huh. That yeah, that's interesting. Sounds like a very how big is your data science team? It sounds like a very complex data science. I mean, who would think to look at the contact? I mean, I'm sure you guys have gone through the entire phone <laughs> looking at what can you look at, but to start incorporating that and then weighting that seems like uh, you have a lot of different data points to weight. Um, yeah. How how big is your data science team? Um, so in total, um, our engineering and data science team together is about 20 people. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. They must uh, stay busy. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I guess on that, what uh, can you give us some other stats on Tala? What is the customers? And, um, it, well, yeah, I don't know if you're disclosing revenue. It's fine if you're not. Um, and then money that you've raised so far? Sure. Um, so... 
In terms of our team, uh, in total, we're about 45 full-time team, uh, team members. And so the majority of the team is based here in Los Angeles. Um, we're based in Santa Monica, and that's where headquarters is. Um, and then we also have local teams based in Nairobi and then also in the Philippines, um, in Manila. Um, and then what were some of the other questions? Sorry. Oh, no problem, no problem. Um, well, revenue and money raised, if you disclose revenue. Sure. Um, so in terms of revenue, uh, we've now done, you know, I would say uh, over $2 million in revenue. Wow. Um, and then in terms of, uh, and that's just, you know, in the last year, I would say. Um, actually, sorry, let's scratch that one. <laughs> I'll just say we've, we've generated over $2 million in revenue. Okay. Um, and then uh, what was the other question? Oh, oh in money raised. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in terms of money raised, um, we've raised more than $10 million. Huh. And are you, I think I read that you are now uh, lending directly. Before, it was just more of a scoring model you're developing. Are you lending now? Uh, your money to uh, these people as well? We are, yeah. So we not only acquire the customer, underwrite the loan, but we also service and do our own direct lending. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. You only have 45 people and you're doing that. Um, and do you have to, in Kenya, are there a lot of banking regulations you have to go through in order to start doing that? Uh, we don't actually. Okay. Um, and that's, yeah. So we don't actually take deposits. And okay. so because of that, under the the banking regulations. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that's nice. <laughs> um, and, and I'm curious, and I know we're getting to kind of, well, we got a little time left. That's good. And uh, I, I was curious if you have some uh, good case studies of how you've helped folks, you know, over the, in the past year or two with uh, lending money. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think some we have some amazing stories. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would say that hits home for me, and this is just as it relates to even my previous background, is you know, I think it's the fact that customers never believed that the financial system was really for them, hmm. right? And so the fact that they can download an app, answer about eight questions, and in under five minutes actually get money into their account. Um, you know, our customers call the product magic. Um, <laughs> you know, and then I think that's the thing that I, I love the most is the fact that they really are, they're amazed that people trust them, you know, and I feel like that that's what we're trying to do is, is kind of change that perception of risk and really unlock this capital in this market um, and really make it so that these customers have that choice. And that ability to really control their own destiny and and go seek out these opportunities. Um, so in that respect, one of my favorite customers, uh, her name is Jennifer, and she's 65 years old. Um, and she went from you know when she first started working with us, she was just running a small food stand. Um, and then over the course of the last year and a half with us, she's not only um, added two additional food stands, but she's now gone on to actually get a small business loan from a traditional financial institution um, because she now has that credit history and she's actually working on opening up her own restaurant. Um, wow. And so it's, you know, it's kind of, it's the fact that this woman, her whole life was not able to achieve her dream. And now at the age of 65 years old, she's still doing it, right? She's so passionate about what she does and, um, I just I think she's one of the most courageous people I've ever met. Huh. That must be nice going to mm -hmm. work with stories like that in the back of your mind. 
and helping people like that. Yeah, we have a, we have something called our Wall of Love, um, and it's basically just uh, testimonials from our customers. And so as they're going through the process, um, they actually leave us comments, and so it's completely unfiltered. And we it's kind of nice to wake up to that every day. Definitely, and and so someone like Jennifer, what would what would she have done without you guys? Anything like it, she just wouldn't she would just not be able to get any type of loan at all. No, I mean she she was she could have gone to a microfinance institution, um, but the capital would have been kind of you know it wouldn't have been very customized to her needs. Okay. Um, so think about it, you know, with Jennifer. She, she was running that food stall and she needed capital in the morning to be able to go and buy her vegetables um, and her inventory. And so we're open 24 hours a day. And so she was able to take a loan out. She was able to pay it back, you know, in three to four days and then take it out again. But it was all really dependent on what her needs were, as opposed to us saying, here's a loan for the next six months. And this is the structure that we're giving you. So what we really did is provide her with that kind of flexibility to say, you know, the term of your loan can be anywhere between two weeks up to 90 days. Hmm. Um, and it's really dependent on how she's going to use that capital. So we're dynamically pricing that. Wow. That's interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's like a super efficient line of credit or a super uh, fast line of credit. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Huh. And so what type of, uh, you know, it's probably a range, but type of interest rate or fees do you charge? If that's up. Um, so, we, as I mentioned, we dynamically price, and so it goes anywhere between. I mean, our average interest rate is about eleven percent. Wow, interesting. Well, that's mm-hmm. really good, huh? That's lower than the credit card rates over here by a lot. <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. I would not have expected that. Okay, and and you and there's no. You never talk to these people. You know, you don't have to. I mean, it's all they just download the app, answer eight questions, and boom, if they pass, they get the money and they start going. Is that right? Yep, exactly. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely the future. That'd be nice over here, I think. Um, and what's a typical loan amount? Um, so our average uh, loan amount is about $50. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so you have to, wow, yeah, to get to, you have to loan a lot of money to, or have a number, a lot of transactions to get to two million. That's cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 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 do you disclose uh, what your default rate's been? On, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so our non-performing rate is a is a, is under seven percent. Oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. That. Uh, and is that pretty typical? Did you see that when you're working for the UN? Did you see other default rates for other microfinancing institutions? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is that our loans are completely unsecured, um, and mm-hmm. so not only are they unsecured, so we're not requiring our customers to put up any collateral. Um, in addition to that, uh, we don't meet our customers in person or pick up the phone, and so this is completely automated. Um, and so we have definitely seen higher repayment rates in microfinance, but the big difference is that they're meeting every customer in person one by one, and they're usually using a group um, a group kind of a loan uh, program. So they're actually attaching the the risk to the group as opposed to the individual. And so if one person doesn't pay back, then their group is responsible for the loan. 
in our case, uh, we're really scoring just the individual, and we do it in a completely automated way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a huge difference. And all right, so we're almost done with the interview, um, but yeah, a okay. couple more quick questions. One, one of them is a. Uh, I'm always curious, you know, when you're starting this up, this seems like a, a, a big uh, task or a big project to start, you know, because you're in L.A. and you're serving clients all over the world. You know, what was what was one of the major challenges you've run into that you didn't really expect um, that you'd run into? Hmm. Or it could be any type of challenge. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Maybe you expected it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think one thing that I always think about is, it's not necessarily a challenge, but it's it's something that dramatically I think changed my outlook and you know kind of the work that we do. Um, so we always believe that it's important to to really like know our customers well um, and to build a relationship with them. And you know when I think back to our first product, you know we were using uh, text messaging and interactive voice technology to start out with. And in some ways, we misjudged our customers. You know, we thought that they didn't have access to this kind of Android technology and smartphones and that they could be so sophisticated. Um, and so we were building for, we were building in a sense for, uh, you know, customers that were just on the lower end. Um, and, and I think in some ways, like what it made me realize is that you can't really, like you're always going to go, you, sorry, I'm like messing this whole thing up. <laughs> um, but I think what I'm trying to say is that, all right, I'll start over. Um, so one of the things that really surprised me and really changed our work um, was something that happened about two years ago at this point. Um, so we were initially starting out and, and as I mentioned, um, bringing in self-reported data from our customers on their revenue and expense information using text messaging and interactive voice technology. Um, and what we did was we misjudged them in assuming that they didn't have access to smartphone technology or Android phones. Um, and I had this experience when I was talking to one of our customers in Kenya, and I was training him on this old product. And, you know, at the end of it, he's like, yes, I'm excited. I'm going to use it. And he's like, but, you know, what would be really helpful? And he brings out his other phone, and it's an Android phone. <laughs> he's like, it would be really helpful if you had an app for this. And I was like, what? I can't believe, you know, you didn't tell me you had another phone. And he just looked at me and he's like, but you didn't ask, right? (laughs) The whole point is, and I think that that's the biggest thing I've learned is that you need to ask and you need to stay curious um, and continue to adjust to the market. Um, And I think that's what we, we take really seriously is because of the fact that we now have access to all of this daily life data, um, it's our responsibility as a financial services company and technology company to continue to refine our algorithms and to continue to refine the financial products that we give to our customers because they are giving us all this access, right? They are giving us this information. And so if we don't do something good with it, then it's sort of, it's, it's on us. It's our fault. Oh, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. You, got, you have to ask. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So, I think we're just about done. I, I, before we end, I was curious, you know, where in five years would you love Tala to be um, as far as, you know, a, a, a bunch more countries or would you improve your uh, scoring model or what would a uh, kind of what's your vision for the next five years? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this 
two things we think a lot about are geographic expansion. So we know that there are almost 3 billion people around the world that are currently underserved um, and that are not getting access to the financial products that they need. Um, so we want to bring this to more countries um, and to help open up those financial systems. And then I think the other thing is thinking, as I mentioned, about you know providing deeper value to our customers um, within the platform that we already have. Yeah, that makes sense. And when you go to a new country, is it uh, a big kind of reset? Do you have to learn a lot about those people or do you see similar patterns between countries? Um, I mean, it, it all depends. Um, so you, you definitely have to localize your product and your algorithms for each market. Um, but we do see similarities and we see that you know, I would say about 70 to 80 percent of the data that we've seen in Kenya um, does exist in other markets. And so we're not necessarily having to rebuild everything from scratch, but you do want to take into account all of those cultural differences and the differences in how people are using their phones in each market. That makes sense. Okay. Well, Shivani, this is great. I think that uh, just about does it, unfortunately, but uh, really appreciate your time and what you're doing for uh, the people across the world and I wish you the best of luck and hope it keeps going really well. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to share our story. Definitely. And uh, yeah, it's fascinating. And like I said at the beginning, I guess I, I guess I was right. It, is the, it sounds like the future of finance to me. And uh, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I definitely appreciate it. Bye. <laughs>